we were very interested in delivering Roma IT, but we just felt that the approach that a lot of companies were taking was missing a key part, which was getting close to the customer and getting close to the actual problem and making sure that you know we're developing technology that was actually solving a problem. So rather than throw up another satellite constellation, which we could have done, because that's what we did, helped other companies do that at Clydespace, we decided to focus on the ground segment and also on the cloud infrastructure layer and really focus on enabling and leveraging all this new technology which was going on to orbit and making it really accessible to enterprises and organizations all over the world. Welcome to the Space Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Anderson, founder and managing partner at Space Capital, a seed stage venture capital firm investing in the space economy. We're actively investing out of our third fund with 100 million under management. You can find us on social media at Space Capital. In this podcast, we explore what's happening at the cutting edge of the entrepreneurial space age and speak to the founders and innovators at the forefront. This is the Space Capital Podcast, and today we're speaking with Alan Cannon, founder and CEO of R3IoT, a Scotland-based company which combines satellite and cell technology to deliver mission-critical communication services to several different industries. One of the key investment themes for us at Space Capital is applications in the satellite communications stack. And R3 is leveraging the billions of dollars of investment in new SATCOM infrastructure by players like OneWeb and SpaceX. We led the company's seed round earlier this year, and we're incredibly excited about what R3 is building. Alan has experience delivering complex defense and aerospace systems. Prior to founding R3, he led the spacecraft operations, design, and mission analysis as the head of missions at Clyde Space. Before that, Alan was with European Missile Systems Company, MBDA, for close to 11 years as the principal engineer. Alan has a master's degree in high-power radio frequency science and engineering from the University of Strathclyde, and an engineering doctorate from the University of Bristol. And all of this makes him uniquely qualified to help us understand the opportunity and the need for mission-critical IoT. Alan, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Great to be on, Chad. Thank you for the opportunity. So first off, is there anything else that you'd like to add to your intro that the audience should know about you? Keen rugby coach, rugby player, keen cyclist. I love to take the analogy from kind of high performance teams in, in sport and apply that into business context. But yeah, you got me spot on in terms of experience. That's great. Very, very Scottish activities, cycling and um, rugby. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, great. What made you want to start R3IoT? You know, what was the pain point in the market that you identified? Well, I guess we were we were made aware of the challenge of moving data from kind of remote areas at our times, myself and Kevin, my business partner, uh, co-founder, while we were working at Clyde Space and or AAC Clyde. And um, what we were seeing was we were seeing a lot of businesses, um, startups specifically, building the infrastructure layer of the space segment, lots of investment, um, lots of investor money going into the into the space side. And we realized that there was a lot of activity, which meant that there was a couple of bits in the value chain, which wasn't necessarily being serviced. And um, we decided that we were very interested in delivering remote but we just felt that the approach that a lot of companies were taking was missing a key part, which was getting close to the customer 
and getting close to the actual problem and making sure that you know we're developing technology that was actually solving a problem. So rather than throw up another satellite constellation, which we could have done because that's what we did, we helped other companies do that at Clydespace, we decided to focus on the ground segment and also on the cloud infrastructure layer and, and really focus on enabling and leveraging all this new technology which was going on to orbit and making it really accessible to enterprises and organizations all over the world. And that's really where we where we started. We started with a vision that was like, let's make it really easy to move data. Let's leverage this incredible ecosystem that's building. You know, this was in 2018. Um, we were seeing the plans for the, the mega constellations um, starting to come to fruition. You know, it came a lot quicker than we expected, but um, it, it still, it was it was fantastic to see. We saw a lot of activity in, in the tech stack in terms of the really interesting developments on, on antennas and and then obviously all the incredible work that's been going on in, in the data analytics side of things. And, you know, and really what we wanted to do was really bring all that together and make it really easy for customers then to extract the value and get the insight from this data. So you're mission critical IoT. So your customers, your potential customers are in need of data and many of them are in remote locations or or what? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So our, our, our kind of, I would say like our key customers are customers that have, they essentially have distributed assets across large geographic areas. And what that means for them from an operational perspective is that they, they have essentially an operational burden. They have to send people to collect data you know, into rural areas where there's no connectivity. As a consequence, that data can become lagged and is low quality. Um, and it really means that we're kind of they don't have access to the data now. Uh, you know, either previously, you know, the, the 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 data was economically inaccessible, or it was physically inaccessible. But all that's changing now, and the, you know, the infrastructure layers there making it. You know, the connectivity problem is being solved by the by the the mega constellations, the low Earth orbit constellations, and really what we wanted to do was build an enterprise product that allowed our customers to just focus on the value that is gathered by by that is provided by this data. So yeah, so we we've taken a an approach that we've built resilience into the stack. We haven't designed our technology on a single satellite backhaul or or cellular backhaul. We've got multiple ways of getting the data back from a sensor and that just allows us to, you know, Go to our customers and say, you know, we're going to get your data back from anywhere. We can, you know, you don't need to focus on that anymore. We're just going to get your data back. So, and really just focus on getting the value from the insight that that data provides. So how big of a problem is this? I mean, are we just talking about rural areas here? Is this an agriculture play, mining, you know, remote operations, or is it bigger than that? It's much bigger than that, actually, Chad. I mean, yeah, all those all those markets that you mentioned, where they have a rural aspect to their, you know, so if you think about a, an an energy network or utilities network, they they tend to be you know distributed in nature, and they tend to operate in areas where there's you know there's good cellular coverage, good connectivity easy to connect IoT to the cloud, but, you know, at the same time, you know, those networks spread out across and into areas where there's, you know, black spots and, you know, there's, there's you know, no connectivity. 
At the same time, resiliency is a big part of the enterprise technology stack now. It's, um, you look at some of the you know, recent storms across the US and you know Europe, which has caused you know massive challenges for for businesses in their infrastructure. So having a connectivity platform that builds resilience and to make sure that when when one network goes down the other networks are available and that's really what we're what we're looking at here so so no it's um, our product is is very well suited towards to to kind of rural and and, and remote industries however it's equal, equally applicable to those mission critical use cases such as um you know the kind of infrastructure uh, critical national infrastructure and and those distributed networks such as the utilities got it and so this is what, three years ago or so, 2018, I think, you identified this pain point. You were seeing new satellite mega constellations coming online, providing an unprecedented connectivity in all of the places around the globe where we didn't have connectivity before, rural and remote areas. And you saw an opportunity to provide really valuable data services to enterprise customers. And so you you were what? You were with Kevin at Clyde Space at the time, and can can you tell yeah. us about that, the origin story, and how you decided to you know quit your job and and decide to start <laughs> something up yourself? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kevin was head of spacecraft design. I was head of missions at the time, working closely with various different startups and and various different uh, organizations such as NASA and the European Space Agency, and and it was it was clear that there was huge opportunity in the in in the space industry. And for, for us, there was some really exciting progress happening in, in the connectivity space. And that's that's where we identified it. It took us a while to pluck up the courage to move away from what were quite secure and exciting jobs. But we decided that, you know, after a bit of a bit of work and a bit of research and speaking to a lot of really good advisors across um, technology and um, in the space industry as well as in the IoT area. We, we realized that you know this was this was an opportunity that we you know we wanted to get ahead of and wanted to get involved in so yeah summer summer 2018 we started the company we started just the two of us and actually spent a long time not building technology <laughs> and as technologists that was that was a bit of a challenge but what we realized was we knew what we wanted to build we knew the technology was we could do that side of things but the bit that we wanted to do was really just understand the market you understand the value speak to potential customers and make sure we got our requirements right so we started with a set of assumptions and we and we spent the first nine months of the business really validating those assumptions or discounting them and moving on and, and that I think held us, put us in a really strong position because we knew there was a market we knew there was um, customer need we knew that there was customers out there willing to willing to pay for for the technology and then yeah after about nine or so months we we started building technology with support from some of the organizations that we worked with such as uh, Scottish Enterprise who are you know one of the kind of economic support organizations in Scotland you know that was where we started from so we quickly managed to identify a enterprise customer a salmon producer uh, in Scotland who had a real challenge they had tried to digitize a salmon farm up in Shetland, which is an, an, an island off the north coast of Scotland, 
their challenge was they were sending someone a 50-mile round trip every day to collect a water sample to see whether they had an issue. And that was expensive and time-consuming. And they tried to digitize operations using the technology that was available. So they, they had been speaking to the local telecom providers. They'd spoken to you know likes of British Telecom to put in fiber, which is extremely capitally expensive and you know capex heavy. And you know the data that they were getting was really, really poor because it was one data point every day. Um, so they came to us, realized that we had a technology that could help them um, and worked with them over an extended period of time on a pilot program, which essentially helped inform our product, but also solved a big problem for our customer, which was helping them digitize where there was, there was no local infrastructure such as power and connectivity. And that essentially has saved them a lot of money, has you know saved them time and increased the quality of data coming back from their operations. And and you know that first pilot was was uh, really reinforced the benefit and the value that our product and service could bring to not only to aquaculture but to to industries that have those same challenges with you kind of the lack of reliable infrastructure. That's a great example. And so you're based in Glasgow and being in Scotland actually is a is a great advantage for your particular business. I mean, the highlands and islands are the remote areas in the north and off the coast, which are ideal place, you know, to be a test bed for for your technology. Aquaculture seems like, you know, obviously a big initial use case. You know, who are some of the other customers for this? Where else are you seeing traction? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Scotland's been a been a great test bed for us because it's it's um it's a challenging environment. There's you know large areas where there's no connectivity, but there are, you know there's a lot of high value industries operating within Scotland. So you know aquaculture is one of them, but there's you know you have the energy industry have wind industry, oil and gas, etc. But you have agriculture is the key one as well. Our key focus initially was aquaculture, but we've demonstrated kind of utility in in a, in a few others as well, such as healthcare, working with the Scottish government on a telehealth program, which will allow you know, resilient digital services to be provided um, into into communities in 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 rural areas. That's you know that's a that's a large global challenge is providing healthcare into these kind of areas where there's there is no connectivity. The rail industry, so transport, logistics, and emergency services. So lots of lots of really interesting big global industries that have significant challenges in running their operations because of a lack of connectivity and a lack of uh, local infrastructure. And it's um, yeah, quite exciting. That's great. And so interesting to, to see all the different use cases for this and potential industry for this. Something else that I find really fascinating is as consumers of internet and bandwidth, it may be intuitive to us, but consumers and enterprises are hungry for data. I mean, up until this point, enterprises have had to throttle their data usage based on the limitations of SATCOM providers. But that's all really changing with these new low-Earth orbit constellations that are coming online. 
and you have seen recently, I mean, you started off with very low data types of applications, right? Sensors that are providing some pretty basic data, which coming from a baseline of zero was a big step up. But you're noticing also that with your customers, that if you provide them more capacity and bandwidth, that they will gladly use it, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's, um, it's been an interesting uh, kind of, once that connectivity challenge is, is solved, then there are so many different ways in which companies can then start to apply uh, that technology. So, we, you know, we see our, we see our platform as an innovation platform. And what we've seen is, you know, once you, you make that data available to, to customers, they just want more. So they, they, they realize, you know, we start with a single, single sensor or a couple of sensors that are given really interesting insight into their, their platform. Key for us was to, to really focus on those high impact parameters that company might need, um, you know, in, in, in aquaculture, it's it's um, oxygen and temperature, which are big environmental factors that can uh, that can affect the well-being of the fish. So yeah, you take you take those two parameters initially, low amounts of data, utilizing um, some more traditional satcom technology, and then you know quite quickly they're asking for, oh, could you provide us with you know more sensors? Can you you know could you link up? Um, more parts of our farm, and then they start to say, "Well, actually, we'd really like some some video feeds here. We'd really like some some more data to to feed to the cloud, so we can we can push into do some more uh, kind of machine learning on on our on the data." So yeah, we see it. We see that again and again over various different industries where customers start with a few low bandwidth type parameters, and then quite quickly. Asking for oh well now that you can do that could you could you give me some more could you give me video could you give me some other so so it's it's exciting that the technology is there thereabouts to be able to provide those types of services and you know more value for our customers I think that's the that's the key bit fascinating and so you've got massive industries some that you mentioned aquaculture energy environmental monitoring telemedicine rural health and utilities and then all of them are showing an interest and a need for more and more bandwidth. So you've got a massive market to start with, and it seems like it's growing pretty quickly. A lot of untapped potential there. I mean, how do you think about the market potential for what you do? I think it's, it's huge. And I think given that there's a large proportion of the planet that doesn't have connectivity, connectivity in its traditional sense in terms of, you know, fixed infrastructure, cell towers, mobile connectivity, and the associated power infrastructure. I think that's a key part of this as well, is that our system is able to run completely off-grid. We designed the system like a satellite on the ground, and we don't want to be sending people to you know update the data uh, you know and traditionally where there's no connectivity there's no power infrastructure either so we're seeing a huge need because the opportunity is huge and if you just think about that in terms of global scale you don't need to go very far outside of a city uh, or metropolitan area to get a you know black spot or no mobile connectivity so I think that's the exciting bit. And it, you know, there's lots of businesses that can benefit from our tech. 
Yeah, the the <laughs> yeah the the dark areas are a lot bigger than people think, right? You don't have, like you said, you don't have to go f- far outside of uh, city centers to to run into to dark spots. Can we talk a little bit more about the technology? Absolutely. So interesting to hear you say that you designed this as a satellite on the ground. Can you tell us about the technology stack? What is the your actual? You've got a hardware product and a software product, and how satellites fit into that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so essentially we have a what we call the smart gateway, so the R3 cell, and that allows us to collect IoT data, aggregate that data, do some edge processing. You know, we've got some advanced power management on there and also some intelligence in there to allow us to choose which backhaul that we send the data over. That's basically a box with some sensors in it. Yeah, so that box essentially is like a really smart computer with some radios on it that allows us to connect to a variety of different sensors, um, which would be out in the field. And we also have some satellite radios in there as well, satellite modems, that allow us to send that data over satellite. And, you know, we can send the data over cellular, we can send the data if it's available. It tends not to be in, in some of the rural areas but we can send over over satellite, over geostationary satellite or low Earth orbit over a variety of different frequencies. And then that data arrives on the cloud in our R3 cloud infrastructure, which allows us to do things like device registration of our, of our, of our the sensors, allows us to do security management, which is a huge part of tapping into the enterprise market is making sure that the, 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 the system is secure and um, allows us to store the data. And then we have a, a public API, which then allows us to move that data into third-party applications or into our own our own application where we can do all the data, data analytics and, and really drill into the insight from the data and provide more value to our customers. So customers that know what they want to do with this data already, possibly they they already have some workflows, some basic software systems set up and some workflows set up, they can tap into this API and get better data. And for customers that don't have anything built, you can also provide the full solution to them. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We we felt that was a, a really important thing to do at this early stage of the business was to have the flexibility in our business model to to offer you know that full end to end solution where we can extract more more value from the value chain. Um, it's obviously a bit harder to you know to to manage and build out, but we also felt that you know there there are a lot of opportunities um, in some of these markets that have never had access to this data. So there was a great, we're in a great position to be able to build the applications to, you know, yeah, you know, to, to, to leverage a lot of that um, extra, extra value. On the other side, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of interest from, from large corporates who are already have, you know, the, you know, the data analytics team, um, they've already using their business intelligence software, but what they really need is they really need access to the data. So they've got assets that they they want to they want to manage. You know, uh, we're talking to a really interesting customer at the moment who 
big analytics company. They built models for various governments. And what they really want is is access to reliable, good quality data from, from, from rural and remote areas. And they also want it to be resilient so that when there's a you know an environmental challenge, you know, so networks go down, they want that data to be able to come through so that they, their models are, are of high quality. So yeah, we want to operate in both those different um, kind of business models. And I think in some markets, we would, um, you know, provide that connectivity platform and then an API and move the data into customer applications. Um, but in others, we will build out that full solution. Great. And then so satellites are really, they're the connectivity, they're the, the backhaul for you, which is allowing sort of these data silos to connect to the internet and the cloud. Yeah, I think the way that we look at this is the satellites and the cellular network, if it's available, that's our method of getting their data back to the cloud. We're trying to be agnostic on that side. So when we're having conversations with our customers, you know, they, you know, they, they tend uh, not to need to know about. <laughs> we want to take the conversation away from the technology, really. And up until this point, satellites been an expensive. You know, there's a perception that satellite is expensive and we all know that that's now changing and it's exciting but we want to just make sure that the customer can focus on on that end value that they get from their data and and really take the conversation away from it so we we look at this as like we've got a magic box we place this on your on your site and it's going to save you money and it's um it's going to reduce your risk and it's going to allow you to to increase your productivity and if we can achieve that um we're definitely on to a winner I love it. Okay, so who else? Who else is doing this? We're tracking ten competitors in IoT communications, nine of which were founded within the last six years. As a group, they've raised nine billion dollars and are collectively valued well north of that. It's difficult to get a lot of data on these companies. A lot of them are are new. One of them is publicly traded. Global Star. You know, how are you thinking about the competitive landscape? Yeah, we, we, we also track some of our competitors, but I think some of those competitors potentially could become partners going forward as well. So, you know, we're, we're as I said, um, some of them are building satellite IoT constellations or, you know, focusing on the, on the, on the space segment. You know, some of them are looking for ways in which to dive deeper into the, into the value chain. Or So I think that we see a lot of the current certainly space IoT players as, as potential future partners. And I think the key for us is that to remain agnostic on that side, to allow us to watch the, the space race play out on that side. Because essentially it is, it's like there's some of these, some of these space IoT companies, they're going to be absorbed by, by other, other, other larger organizations. And I think that, you know, from our perspective, We'll partner with the ones that are the are the best technology and the best suited towards our for our customers. It makes perfect sense. So, in terms of your business model, you know, how are you making money? Customers can tap into your API. You are selling a full software suite. Are you selling the hardware alone? How do you make money? Yeah, we're selling this as a service, software as a service, essentially. Although we have a hardware component, it's um, it's really a it's really just an enabler. So in some cases, we'll 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 essentially move everything into the into the service side of the business. So we charge a quarterly fee or yearly fee, and the idea being that 
you know, the product becomes really sticky and, and, you know, we can really integrate the service into customer workflows and meaning that we can, um, you know, we can, you know, build kind of long-term value with our customers. So yeah, it's a service model. That's definitely where we're going to be sticking, I think. Do you think that that service model is your greatest competitive advantage or, you know, given that others are focused more on the product and the technology and the hardware or is it something else? Yeah, I think there's it's a combination of that, Chad, as well as the the fact that you know our system is is highly resilient. So it's a, our system is or our platform is really you know an enterprise grade platform. It's it's um, we're we're not selling a low cost IoT sensor. You know we're not selling a low cost IoT service that that can can move data you know every other day and and you know and give 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 customers kind of kind of weekly updates on their on on a sensor what we're building is the stack that allows enterprises to have that kind of near real-time insight into their data so it's a high value product highly resilient um and you know integrating really seamlessly into customer workflows got it perfect and i guess i i guess the key thing there is it's just it's making it easier for enterprises to deploy um, IoT solutions across their their asset pool. Got it. So it really comes down to execution, which is kind of what I wanted to ask about next. I wanted to talk about the team a little bit. I mean, you and Kevin are first-time founders, but you've surrounded yourselves with some pretty experienced folks on the board as advisors, which is is really great to see. Can you know what what can you tell us about the team and those who are supporting you? Yeah, so yeah, we've been able to assemble a really quality quality team, and I think that it was a recognition when we started the business that the you know we're only going to be as successful as as the people that we are able to surround ourselves in. As you said, we are first time founders. And therefore, you know, we had a lot of learning to do. Uh, we still have a lot of learning to do. And we wanted to make sure that the advisors and the board members, our investors, all brought something to our business. So we've got the likes of yourself from the space side of things. We've also got Ryan Johnson, who's ex-Planet. We've got Nathan Kuntz from Kaimeta. And others. Um, Lauren Paddleford, from, who was the general manager of Shopify. So we've got some really good people around around us, which has has helped us navigate and, and actually think a lot bigger about our business. We graduated from Creative Destruction Lab, as you know, Chad, and, and we were exposed to, I guess, a thinking about our business in a slightly bigger way than we had been, um, which was fantastic. And I think they really appreciated that when someone like Lauren Paddleford from Shopify says, you guys have got a great business, this could be massive. You know, it started to really validate a lot of our assumptions that we had about the business and, and started to get us to believe that, you know, we can we could build this uh, global multi-billion dollar business. Yeah, he's um, he was what chief revenue officer, and um, he's looking at your business and saying, you know, I see a lot of similarities between R three IoT and uh, Shopify. That's yeah, yeah, a big vote of confidence. Absolutely. So, how big is the team now? Start of the pandemic, there was uh, there was uh, five of us, and now we're up about twenty three. So, um, got quite a lot of um, jobs open at the moment. So, we're bringing in some quality people into the team. We just formed our 
senior executive board with Brian, a, a VP sales, VP ops, and the the team, you know, got a lot of high quality people in the team that are going to, you know, really grow in with the team as well. We can see how that's going to play out uh, over the next, over the course of the next year. The phase of the business that we're going into now is really this uh, commercial ramp up. So over the course of 2022, you know, we're building a revenue base um, through our commercial product, growing the, the, the capability in the team across both sales and business and marketing, as well as um, bringing in more capability in the engineering side. So it's exciting and it's been a fantastic journey so far and really excited about, you know, bringing in more expertise over the course of the next year. Great. So, and in terms of what next, you've got a new version of the product coming out. You're also thinking about expanding the business to other geographies. What can we look forward to from r Yeah, I think it's um, execution, Chad. I think that's the key. Is that We've got a very well-defined strategy in terms of the, the types of markets that we're going after and the those markets are, are are global. So we'll be uh, it looks like our first markets that we'll be entering will be, you know, North America, Canada. We do have some opportunities in, in uh, Scandinavia as well through through aquaculture. So yeah, it's a lot of growth hopefully. Great. So how can listeners learn more about R3 IoT? You know, we've got our new website which should be kicking in in the next uh, next quarter. Keep in touch through our, our various different channels. But yeah, I think um, if listeners are, are interested in, in, uh, in seeing us, um, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, happy to chat. Great. Alan, it's been great to have you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks very much, Chad. It's been a pleasure. Love the opportunity. Love chatting. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the Space Capital Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in learning more about investing in the space economy, I invite you to visit our website, spacecapital.com, where you can get access to more industry-leading insights and learn how you can join the entrepreneurial space age.